So today we're coming to the end of this series of sermons that we've entitled Faith Stories. And we've done this for eight weeks. You know, each staff person or each pastor shared their faith story, as well as uh, four other people from our congregation. And we're really pleased with this um, this series. We heard that uh, many people enjoyed it. We'd love to get feedback from you. But I know Don and I and all the other pastors really enjoyed it. I especially enjoy doing something different than just standing up and preaching and um, I'd love your feedback on that, too. Not that we'll do this every week, but, um, you know, this is how we communicate today, really. If you think about news uh, shows and panels of experts and all the other things, it's more of a conversation than just one person getting up and talking. So we hope you enjoyed it, and um, please let us know if you did or didn't. So thanks, all of you, for being open to something new. (laughs) We are going to try new things in the next few years. And thank you to all those brave souls, those four people that shared their stories. Uh, It took us a while to find people to do that. (laughs) So Don and I are going to have a conversation today as we kind of wrap this up. And uh, and so the first question we want to ask is, you know, why did we do this series? And we talked about this a little bit um, pretty much at the beginning of every week. But I just want to remind us, I think... Primarily, the the reason we did this is each of us has a story. If we're a person of faith and we have God in our lives, there's a story about how that happened and how God continues to uh, work in our lives. You know, the Christian faith is really this journey. There's a lot of metaphors in the Bible that talk about the Christian life. They call it a journey, a race. Uh, and I think definitely a faith story. And so one of our hopes is that you could see that you have a story. And many of you have come up to me, and I think to all of us, over the last few weeks and said, you know, hearing these stories has made me think about my own story. And that was really our hope, that you would think about your story, because each of us should be able to recognize how God is moving in our lives. Because I believe God is always doing something in our lives. God is always moving. It's just whether we recognize it or not. And I think for us to be kind of skilled at recognizing where is God moving or looking back on our lives and and being able to tell, wow, God was moving in this way during my life, and I didn't even realize it at the time. But as I look back now, I can definitely see God's fingerprints. And so one of the verses we have used throughout uh, this series as kind of our reason for doing this series was uh, 1 Peter 3.15, and I want to read that. It said, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So in other words, in your hearts, have Christ as Lord of your life. And then it says this, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Uh, Don, we were talking earlier today, and, and Don said, you know, I like the kind of the translation or the paraphrase of always be ready to give your story to anyone who asks. Because our story is why we have hope. Our hope is that God is alive and that God is not a distant and aloof God, 
but a God who is personal and is actually, I mean, this is what we believe as Christians is when we turn toward God, Christ indwells in us. Christ is in us, uh, working in our lives. And so we should be able to give our story to someone who asks, whether it's someone in our church or someone outside the church, to be able to recognize how Christ is moving in our lives. Um, My hope, really, one of the things I notice is kind of an outsider coming in here the last couple years, is I, I noticed that we, as a church, are not real comfortable sharing these stories with each other or having what I would call spiritual conversations. And this is the one place in our lives where we can come and hopefully have those kind of conversations. I don't think you're going to have those conversations in your law, law office <laughs> or at, in your business, wherever you might work, or the school where you might teach. Or the soccer field. Or the soccer field. Wherever it may be. But here, this is where we should be able to do this. Because as we share our stories, and I found this as I was interviewing these people and and meeting with them ahead of time, my love for them grew. And my connection with them grew. I I love what Henry Nouwen, you know, I've quoted him many times. He's obviously a big influence in my life. He says, it's not the sharing of our successes and our victories that unite our hearts together. But it's the stories of our failures and our hurts and our points of vulnerability. And my hope for our church is that we would be you know, comfortable sharing those things. And I know they're personal, and I know that sometimes it's hard. I heard one pe- person say, you know, we, after doing these faith stories for a few weeks, they said, you know, that's about enough. These are a little too personal. <laughs> we need to move on. And I want to say, good. I'm glad you feel that way because I'm doing my job. Because <laughs> I think, you know, I've heard it said that the purpose of preaching is to disturb, is to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. <laughs> and I think my job as a pastor really is to comfort the disturbed, and disturb the comfortable so that we grow in our faith and in our awareness of God in our lives. So I hope we become more conversant in sharing our faith stories. It's one of the reasons why we've started life groups Mm -hmm. is so that we have a place where we can share our struggles, our questions, our faith, um, our needs for prayer, all those things. So that's why we did it. Um, and today, Don and I want to talk about what did we learn from these stories? Uh, we reviewed all the stories that were shared, uh, both staff and lay people, and looked for themes or main points because I think it, it teaches, all of them taught us a lot about our journeys as, uh, as followers of Christ. So, Don, why don't you start us off with this one? Uh, what were some of the things we learned about faith stories or journeys over these last eight weeks? Well, one thing we learned um, is, yes, there are many commonalities that we heard in the stories that were shared, but also every story was unique, obviously, because we are individual human beings. But it made me think in reflecting on this question about what we learned about the stories that were shared, just about how important stories are 
to us as human beings. I mean, one definition of what it is to be human is to be a storytelling animal, creature. We tell stories. That's how we come together in community to give us a sense of direction, a sense of purpose. We tell good stories, you know, stories about, uh, that give us a sense of where we should be going, how we should be acting. Um, we have, you know, Aesop's fables, we have myths, we have all sorts of stories that give us a sense of direction. There are also unhelpful stories that we tell ourselves. And so oftentimes, we have to reassess the stories that we've been brought up hearing. For example, uh, I think a lot of our problems in our culture today is that we don't know how to listen to each other's stories very well. We want to just jump in and say, you're right, you're wrong, I agree, I don't agree. I think it's crucial that we learn, again, how to share stories, to give us meaning, but also to listen to people's stories. So there's a, the broader story of, of how we grow up as human beings to tell stories, but there's also the individual story that we have. And I think it's incredibly important for each one of us to periodically, whether it's to another person, we're not saying, by the way, to reiterate, not everybody is supposed to stand up or sit, sit here in front of 200 people and tell your faith story, but we want you to be comfortable and practice figuring out what's important to you. Because what stories do in, in individual lives is they kind of, our lives are all over the place. But when we bring them together in the form of a story, they start to make sense. They st we start to see themes. We start to see what's important in our lives. And when somebody t asks you, hey, uh, Kathy or Marilyn or Julie or Bob or Steve or Scott or, or whoever, um, what, tell me your story. That means they want to get to know who you are. And it forces you, in a way, to come to grips with who you are. It gives you a sense of your own humanity, your own identity, all of these things. So I, I was telling Steve uh, earlier today, it reminds me of my favorite popular music artist, who is Elvis Costello. Those of you who know Elvis Costello. I just got to say, that sells, says a lot about Don. Yeah, it does. That it does. Elvis Costello is his favorite. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it means I went to high school in the late 70s and college in the early 80s. Um, anyway, he wrote a book, uh, wrote a song in the early 80s, Every Day I Write the Book. Anybody remember that song? Every Day I Write the Book. It's all about how every day we are telling a story, whether with our words or how we live our lives. And so... If one really important thing about us is our faith, then we should be able to tell stories about our faith or about how God has met us at some point in our lives. And that's what we heard over and over again is how God enters into each one of our lives. Probably we're not even aware of it in the moment when something has happened. But later on, when we're able to reflect on our lives and try to put bring all these strands of our lives together and tell a story, sometimes we're able to recognize where God was, where God was active, and we didn't even know. So that's one of the main things I learned. The second thing I learned, I guess, was how pe people experience God coming to them in very, very different ways. Some of the people who uh, spoke, I'll include myself, and I think Julie and Bob, right, all had 
early experiences that were very positive in church, that gave us a sense of God and God's love and the, how the, the Christian church and people in the church were integral in our lives. Others came to that experience later on and in various ways. Some people had like unmistakable things happen. That, that's God. A lot of us, it was a longer process with lots of ups and downs. And so that faith journey is not the same for everybody, but I certainly found lots of things that were common. And I think it's common because really when we talk about our stories, we're talking about the story. Absolutely. And our lives, our stories are really part of the bigger story. And that is this, the meta narrative of the Bible, this, this story that is really expressed from page one to page, the last page, whatever it might be in the Bible. And that is the story of this, and this is amazing, this great, big, mysterious God who created all things and really is beyond our imagination and really, in some ways, very com hard to comprehend because he's totally other than us. And yet this same big God from, from the very beginning of the Bible to the end reaches out to humankind in love. And that is the story over and over and over again of this God who desires to, for us to know him in a very intimate way. And you know, in the Bible, there's two words for knowing. There's knowing that is knowledge, and then there is knowing, like in the sexual sense, of really being intimate with someone, of knowing someone in, in a very intimate way. And when the Bible talks about us knowing God, that's a little better, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. When the Bible talks about us knowing God, it's in this way in a very intimate way. Um, and that is the story, and we find ourselves in that story. And we see this throughout the Bible, but I think, you know, maybe one of the clearest examples is the parable, you know, Jesus taught in stories all the time, because he knew how stories connect with people, like the story of the parable, or the parable of the, uh, the lost sheep. And, Jesus is talking to some Pharisees and other religious leaders, and they have a miscon misconception about who God is, about the character of God, and, and Jesus says to them, you know what, you really want to know what God is like. I'll tell you what God is like. God is like this shepherd who has a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders off, and this shepherd goes and finds the sheep goes up mountains, down mountains, through canyons, across rivers, won't give up until he finds his sheep. Mm -hmm. That's the story. Yeah, I mean, th we talk about the meta-narrative <laughs> meta of the Bible, the big, big story of the Bible, as Steve mentioned, is uh, how this creator of the universe who is so mysterious reaches out in love to each one of us. And, you might say that the gospel, we had an interesting discussion the other day in, in one of our task forces about what is the gospel, right? And you ask 10 people, you might get 10 different answers to what the gospel is. And some people might say, aren't those the first four books of the New Testament? But they are, those are called gospels. But the gospel basically comes from an English word meaning good news, story. 
It's the story of how God comes to be with us in love in Jesus Christ and guides us forward and dwells with us and within us in Jesus Christ. That's the sense of what the gospel is. So that's, that's the story we get about Jesus. But if you go back to um, the Old Testament, the story of the Exodus, where the people of Israel are enslaved and then they are released by God and you think everybody would be so excited and happy to, to escape and they are at first and then they come to the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army is coming after them and, and what happens before they get to the Red Sea? They say to Moses, you know, it was much easier being slaves back in Egypt. Maybe we should turn around and not risk going through this uncharted water and all this stuff. And then Moses is able to convince them, and they go through, and then it keeps happening over and over again, all through the wilderness experience. They keep wandering, turning back. Two weeks ago, I interviewed Marilyn Sidon, and we talked about how we are prone to wander, and that's something else we all, I heard in all the stories that we shared, that we wander away from God, or we're just not aware of God's presence, and there's nothing wrong with wandering in principle, but... At some point, you want to put that wandering in perspective and realize that there is a direction and that there is somebody who is guiding you, even when you feel very far away in a dark night of the soul or in a very difficult situation. In retrospect, when you're able to tell your story or hear somebody else's story, you can say, I wasn't by myself that whole time. And I think all that to say, it's usually a circuitous Absolutely. Uh, journey. It's not a a path that we just get on and we go from point A to point B. We are more like the people of Israel uh, wandering in the desert for 40 years. Well, I was looking at that story again yesterday and it says, God says, rather than get you to the promised land, the most straightforward route through the land of the Philistines, I'm going to make you all wander around the Sinai Peninsula. So yes, it is circuitous from the very beginning. But I love that, that hymn, Come Thou Fountain of Every." Come thou fun of every blessing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it in thy courts above. Um, that's us. And we wander for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Usually, I've, what I've noticed is oftentimes people have experienced something really difficult. You know, a death of a spouse, spouse a death of an untimely death of a parent, um, a child some other hard thing happens in their life and they really begin to question the goodness of God and, um, and walk away for a while because they're angry at God. Or I think in a lot of the stories that we heard, um, people just got distracted. <laughs> Too busy. You know, I, hear, I remember Bob Wright saying, you know, I just wasn't paying attention. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. And I finally got to the point where and this is what happens oftentimes. People miss something in their lives. They realize, wow, something's missing. And they start turning back to God. Yeah, and sometimes it's, it's, it's things that happen to us. Mm -hmm. It's not paying attention. But sometimes even the church itself or the message we hear from Christians can be kind of toxic. Yeah. And that, that can also cause us to wander and wonder, what the heck is all this about? Why did I give... Why did I give so much to 
God or the church or Jesus, and now I'm not getting anything back in return. Very common feeling. I think as Pastor Scott and Don and I have definitely heard so many stories, especially recently, of people being hurt by the church and then leaving. Um, that's why I, I want to call on us to just really love each other. You know, I, I loved what Julie had to say in her, um, her faith journey about her, her verses, and I think they were the same for yeah, you, John. Julie and you know? I chose the same verse. Yeah, verses. love one another. First John 4. Yeah, love one another. And I, I really truly believe if we can become a church that loves as we have been loved, uh, how attractive that will be. I mean, I, I still believe what an attractive thing for people to become a part of. So, and there yeah. are all sorts of things that bring us back too. Yeah. After that wandering time, and for me, what really stuck out was um, other people telling us something about, like Bob, I think, and Judy, and the Philippines were invited to church, and it, oftentimes God, in retrospect, we're able to to see how God used somebody else to to guide us back somehow through all this wandering time. Almost always. I mean, Almost I can't always. think of anybody yeah. that that where God did not use another person. And this is so important for us to, to know, is that God uses people to communicate his love more than anything else. And I know for me, I was invited. Uh, you were invited. I went to a choir at church, yeah. and I was almost forced to go by my mother. But I went, and it was made all the difference that they were. And then Kathy came because you were the youth minister. That's part of her story as well. That's right. So we do come back. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. I mean, I find it fascinating to try to figure out what does it mean to really have God in our lives, to experience the presence of God? Because this is what almost all of, the, all right. of us talked about right. was experiencing the presence of God, that when we came back to God or uh, turned toward God again, there was a change in our life. Uh, we, we began to experience something different than that was before. And Don and I were trying, you know, we were talking about this. What exactly does that mean? Um, and what does it look like? What does it feel like? And I... It seemed to me like what we heard a lot was people experience the peace of God, which totally makes sense. You know, that we're no longer estranged from God or distant from God, but we're close and we have peace. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's hard to describe exactly what that means, but I think it's a sense of the goodness of God in our lives. Yeah. 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 And we use, depending on what church or how we come to it, different words to describe that. And I think sometimes it's easy to get hung up on whatever words people use to talk about how they have a, somehow a close relationship to God or the Spirit or Jesus. But the point is, again, that somehow the creator of the universe comes to us in some personal way. Mm -hmm. Because God, the creator of the universe, is also a personal God. Mm -hmm. Someone who wants to be in real, it's a someone, <laughs> not an it, and uh, wants to be in relationship with us intimate relationship with us. And that sounds crazy. <laughs> kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I remember but I felt it. <laughs> listening to a, a segment on NPR one time where they, they were 
talking about forget they were talking about the forgiveness project at Stanford. I don't know if you've heard about that, but they've studied forgiveness and uh, they were talking. You know, to be forgiven, you have to be forgiven by something. Right. right. <laughs> I think. Uh, and they were talking about people who experience a relationship with God, and this this reporter was just incredulous <laughs> that people actually talk to being in a relationship with God in personal terms, which I get. I mean, in our secular society today, that just seems unbelievable, and, we, and it's not talked about very much, but that's what we talk about. Yeah. That's what we've experienced is somehow we're experiencing the presence of God in our lives. We have a relationship with Christ um, that's alive, that's transformative, that's, that makes a difference in our, our yeah. daily lives. Yeah. And that is really different. I mean, I'll be the first to admit <laughs> yeah. that is different than what we usually talk about uh, in our conversations with people. And, you know, we feel it, as I said, in very different ways, that relationship or that connection, that intimacy. For me, it's just so much has to do with community. I meet God with other people. I experience Jesus in other people. Um, I feel accepted when I'm accepted. I feel accepted by God when people who call themselves Christians accept me. If there's a community that's in the name of Jesus, and it doesn't accept me, that's gonna turn me off from Christianity fast as you can, whatever. But if people who claim to be Christians and followers of Jesus say, yeah, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this not just because I love you, because I don't even know you, <laughs> yeah. but I'm doing it because I've got a gift from God in Christ, and I wanna share that and just welcome you to my community. And it doesn't have to do with doctrine, it doesn't have to do with believing the right things, it has to do with the love that we receive in God through the people who are called Christians, who call themselves Christians. And I think that's what we saw in just about everybody. Shared. Yeah. There was an experience of love, a feeling love for who we truly are. There was an experience of joy. Uh, I think with that ex acceptance comes freedom to really be who we are, to mm -hmm. accept who we are with our warts and our strengths. Um, and then a power from coming from the presence of Christ in our lives to become people that we can never become on our own. So it definitely uh, makes a difference in our lives, and that's why I think we're often uh, motivated to deepen our, our relationship with yeah. Christ, to, to grow in it. And we talked a lot about that with people. And I think what, what we're trying to communicate is the Christian life, this journey, is not static. We don't start and then that's it. It's a dynamic journey in which God's plan for us is to continue to grow yeah. and to change and be transformed. And Scripture talks a lot about this uh, in various places. Ephesians and uh, James 1.4 says, you know, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And so salvation, so often we just think of salvation in terms of being saved and uh, you know, yeah, all these things, but really it's this process that just keeps going. Um, Philippians 1.6 is a great example of that. For I am confident, Paul writes to the Philippians, that of this very thing that he, 
God who began a good work in you when you first turned toward, toward God and experienced this love for the first time will complete the work that he has begun mm-hmm. until the day of Christ Jesus, um, until the end of time. God will continue to work to make us whole, to experience shalom, to become more loving. You know, I think of the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, patience, kind, goodness, um, gentleness. Those are the things God wants to develop in our lives. And I think this is done a lot through practices, which we talked about too. Right. And sending, so we talked, I heard in a couple of the conversations, the, the idea of a vertical and a horizontal relationship that we have. A, a vertical relationship with God, my, my experience with God's love for me, that is manifest or comes alive or expressed through actions in a horizontal way with our world, with other people. That's when we talk about Christ dwelling in me and, and, and myself and all of us dwelling in the body of Christ. It's that vertical personal relationship that's expressed in the community. And, and when I talked about my faith story, I, I talked about the two pillars of my faith. The one is grace, God's love for me that comes in so many different ways. And the second is the horizontal, is I use the word mission, which comes from the Latin word to be sent, to be sent into the world to share that same love and acceptance with other people. And those are the two pillars of my life. And I wouldn't have that unless somebody had reached out to me to invite me, or in my, my case, to force me to go to church so that I could hear that message and hear that story to be able to share it, not just with my words, but how? In my actions as well. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So one of my hopes for our church, and this is another reason why we we did this series, is I hope we become a church in a little stronger way where you have opportunities to grow and to experience this transforming power of Christ in your life and our lives. Uh, One of the task forces that we have going right now is a task force on spiritual formation, and people don't like that term because they don't know what it means. So I'm gonna turn it to Don, because he's in charge of this task force, to tell us what does this mean and how is this gonna play out in the life of our church this coming year? I think partly people don't like the word formation because it sounds like there's a plan and we're gonna fit everybody and form everybody into like like go through a mold or something like that. No, formation simply means growth. It's growing. God, as you said, wants us to grow in our faith. And for some people, a huge part of growth is just showing up to church on Sunday morning, making that a practice. Julie talked about that in, in what she talked about, in her sharing of her faith story of a just practice. About, just about everybody did. Of, of just, I love how she put it. She said, you put it down on the calendar and then you do it. <laughs> that's a pretty good understanding of the word practice. So that's how we grow. But, but God wants us in lots of different ways, whether it's sharing in a small group setting or perhaps learning practices of contemplation and silence or going on retreats or service opportunities that we can have, uh, learning with our heads and with our hearts. All of that is how the, the Christ that we're told who dwells in us is, is sort of brought to life and we cooperate from the inside out with the Christ, who's, the God who's already within us. 
So that's formation. It's spiritual formations. Is cooperating with God in the act, in the work that God's already started in us. Yeah, I like the metaphor of God is always the potter. The wind is always blowing. The wind, right? The wind of God is always blowing. It's just we have to open up our sails to catch Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Tell us how that's going to play out in real ways. Uh, well, starting this fall, we, we have uh, life groups starting up again in October. Then also in October, we're going to have a Sunday class after church for five weeks that is going to be on the topic of gifts and call. That is how God gifts every one of us individually and calls us to use these gifts or passions or skills or loves or whatever to serve the community, to, to be part of a community that grows together. And we'll talk about all sorts of different things that uh, Steve and I will be leading that class. And then uh, we have, we're gonna have some retreats coming up to learn spiritual practices in, in after Christmas. And then we'll continue on in uh, interesting conversation we had the other day, people asking, understandably in our culture today, what's so important about Jesus? Or who is Jesus? So in Advent, when we prepare for the coming of Christmas and the birth of Christ, we're going to join together on Thursday nights and talk about who is Jesus and who is this little baby that we're going to celebrate his birth and who is he going to grow up to be and what importance does that have in our life? Yeah, and just quickly, in January, we'll have a class on Sunday mornings called Stages of Faith. People have spiritual Theologians have actually identified stages of this journey, and I have a friend at UCSF who's a professor of um, neurology. Neurology, I think, who is going to come and talk to us about stages of faith. Great class. So a lot of different things to experience, not just to get to know God in head. the head, but to really experience God in the right. heart. Finally, quickly. Uh, what did we learn about God from this? Uh, well, boy, the, the main thing we learned about God, it seems to me, the word that comes back to me over and over and over again, given the wandering that we are all prone to do, God's persistence of being with us every step of the way, whether you're aware of it or not, and God knows we're not always aware of God's presence, but sometimes, somehow, we're able to get to a place in retrospect to see, yes, God was there all the time. I just was not able to pay attention or know it. Or maybe you're not able to see where God was all the time. But that's, that's the faith journey, is trying to pay attention. Trying to pay attention to God's presence in the past. And then we talked about paying attention to God's presence in the present. How important that is. And not to get bogged down in whatever happened before, your history, or bogged down in worries about the future focusing on the present moment. Yeah, that God always meets us with grace. Where we are, grace. Where we are, no matter where we've been, we come back, you know, like in the parable, the par great, great parable of the prodigal son, God opens the, his arms and wel welcomes us home. And that's really what we celebrate today at communion. Uh, there's a Presbyterian pastor, writer, who calls the sacraments the hugs of God. And I think that's what we experience here is uh, God welcoming us back always uh, in communion is... And feeding great. us for the journey ahead. Exactly.